everyone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review and share it with your friends so they can listen too. Okay, hello and welcome to the Paisley Barbell podcast. Um, we are back after quite a hiatus. I think we'll probably call this the second season because it's been so long since we did the last one. Um, but we've got a fantastic guest to kick today's um, series off. Um, she's currently a powerlifting coach. She started competing in 2019. She's a two-time British Open champion and the current reigning champion. Uh, she competed at the Europeans uh, last year, taking a bronze overall as well as on squat and silver on deadlift. She recently competed at the IPF Worlds. She's the current British record holder on total. Um, she was a squat record holder, but somebody chipped you, I believe. Um, yeah. <laughs> she currently holds, uh, I don't know if you know this, but nine Scottish records on classic and equipped. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're currently preparing for the Arnold Classic in September. And a wee small fact is that we share a mutual love of the conventional deadlift. Yes. <laughs> and I'd like to welcome our guest today, which is Annie Nelson. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much. No, thanks for coming on. Um, appreciate you taking the time. Um, so I've given you a week and a, a wee summary there. Did I get most of it right? Yeah, all of it was right. Uh, I didn't I liked, know that I it liked... was nine Scottish records, but I'll take that. <laughs> well, see, I, I wasn't aware of this either, but apparently if you're um, a classic lifter and your total is, your lift is higher than the equipped, you also get the equipped record. So, yeah, that's true. I go. just never so, thought of it that. <laughs> I had a wee look and I worked it out. Um, so um, do you want to just give us a wee kind of background on where you started in sport maybe and how that how that led you into eventually getting to powerlifting? Yeah of course so like I've always been a really competitive child <laughs> I think I take that from my dad so like even in sports day in primary school that was like my highlight of the whole year like I was like tunnel vision I was like half the win <laughs> um, uh, so like from that I got into athletics and I competed in that from like maybe the age of about 15 um, until about like 21 and like I did I really loved it I was a 200 and 400 meter sprinter um, I wasn't like the best I wasn't terrible but I wasn't the best um, but I did that for a while and then I just sort of fell out of love with it like basically I got to a point where my mental health wasn't doing so good and I just I had to change something about that so I wasn't enjoying training anymore which was like something that was really unusual for me um, and I really enjoyed the weight side of things with athletics because we did that like something pointless like maybe once every couple of weeks or something yep, yep. Um, but I loved it and I always wanted to like try and lift the same as the boys and stuff it was like a subconscious thing in my mind um, and I just wish I'd picked up on it earlier because like I love it so much but yeah I just thought you know what I'm going to change something and I'm going to take a little bit of a leap of faith here found a coach got into powerlifting and I literally never looked back like best decision I've ever made. No I mean I did as I said I did a wee bit of research and I looked at your numbers from your first first competition mm -hmm. to now so again correct me if these are wrong but you, your squat's gone from 115 kilos to 180.5 yeah. bench is 62.5 to 97.5, although you might have done 100 in the gym, hopefully. I've done 100 in the gym, but I'm not counting <laughs> until I do it on the platform. <laughs> and and deadlift 140 to, to 205, and that's in a 63 kilo weight class, which is, you know, yeah. quite simply, that's phenomenal. So you Thank probably you. are out, out lifting some of those guys that you, you trained with in the past, I'd imagine. Yeah, now I think. I don't know if they'll admit that, though. <laughs> 
Um, so when you made that when you made that change in, in getting into the gym, did you did you face any challenges or was there any barriers that you felt were in the way of you getting into powerlifting? I mean, like to be honest, people have always got something to say about females getting into weight training, especially when it's like a competitive side of it. So like I face that quite like now I it's rare for someone to like give me a bit of stick for it, but at the start um, in the gym, I'd always get like, I, I used to train at a commercial gym, like, gym, like I'm in I'm in lift now, but when I was in the commercial gym, um, I used to get guys coming up to me being like, why are you lifting so heavy? Like, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 30. Um, like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You don't know what you're doing, sort of thing. And it was actually hard to deal with um when you're trying to build your confidence and you feel like you're in I hate saying this but when you feel like you're in the guys section of the gym that is really hard um but eventually you just learn to try and not listen to things like that and do what makes you happy um obviously under supervision of a coach that's keeping you right but um yeah now I don't get as much of that but I definitely noticed that in some of my female lifters as well like some of them getting into the gym they do get um the odd comment here and there and unsolicited it's not advice yeah 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 i mean it's not it's obviously not on the same scale but even i can remember i mean i started powerlifting when i was 35 mm. um and i can remember loading up the deadlift and people kind of looking across as if what's what's this guy doing yeah. You know, so I, and that's only on a micro scale compared to what i can only imagine um females go through because I've, I've seen it in the gym and you know Part of the reason we started the club was was that exact thing that we wanted to create an environment that everybody would feel comfortable. Um, yeah. Would everybody would feel coming comfortable coming into it and getting involved in. Um, so yeah, your progress. I mean, what do you put that down to, Annie? What do you put that down to? Honestly, like I don't care if people call me a sad or anything, but like I literally just drop everything for powerlifting. Like I'll revolve everything around it. Like. When people say like, oh yeah, I'm really dedicated, but they like don't think about all the externals that affect their performance, like they don't really mean it. So like when I say I'm dedicated, I mean like it's my whole life. Like I'll make sure, obviously get all my training done every week, but not only am I getting it done, I'm like making sure it's exactly how it should be. I'm getting my sleep right every single night for it. I'm making my nutrition right. I'm making sure my hydration's right. My social plans will get dropped in an instant if it has anything to do with affecting my training. Um, but I love it the way it is. <laughs> Good. That, well, the thing is, you've got to be um, pretty tunnel vision to get to the level that you've got to. And, you know, you've got you've reaped the rewards of that that attitude. And how do you find that, um, I suppose, maybe touching on you've, you've got a few clients and when you're coaching them, how do you find that challenging when others don't share that mentality? Or do you find that quite easy to adapt? It can be hard. Um, it's kind of about trying to get that out of them and trying to um, help them realise what they can do to help their performance that's maybe not to do with just a training session. Like, I feel like that's part of my job as a coach is to educate them on how how to improve how to in all ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it always comes with its challenges. <laughs> But uh, yeah, part of the job, isn't it? <laughs> well, the biggest thing is probably, you know, the level that you're competing at and, and in most levels of elite sport, the, the difference between the, the top ones and the not so top ones isn't isn't physical. Mm. It's likely to be something else external to the, whether it's maybe making weight or I know you work with a, a psychologist, don't you, as well? 
Yeah, I do. So I think that's probably been a big thing for you. And how, how, is that, how has that benefited your, your lifting, do you think? It's helped a lot, yeah. So I really struggled with um, imposter syndrome. That was like my biggest thing. That's why I started working with her. Um, her name's Amelia Potter. Or Potter oh, no, give her, a shout out. give her a shout out, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> she was great. Um, so she um, really helped, helped me a lot. So I just kind of struggled. I don't know if it's because, yeah. So she helped me realise why I was struggling with this. And it's more because... Um, I when I did athletics um I would sort of go into a race and think oh like I'm just going to do my best here I'm probably going to be in the back of the pack in the middle towards the back somewhere like that but I'm just going to go and do it and like kind of keep a low profile and just enjoy it but now that I've had that mentality and then I've moved to powerlifting and then all of a sudden I got really good really quick my head's been like oh is this maybe like a bit of a fluke like you don't deserve to be here and like you're not as good as what these rankings are saying and things like that uh, that I've struggled with that but she um worked with me like really closely and we, we've really got through that and like the shift in my mentality now has been amazing so yeah she's been really good no but and I think you know you've t- you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there Annie that a lot of people just don't they have these thoughts they have these feelings but they don't know how to to process them and I think uh, Amelia actually posted something um, a month ago, which really resonated with me. Is that you have these thoughts, and they don't um, they don't disappear. Yeah, they're still there. You just learn to to cope with them, to manage them, and that's I suppose that's the big thing about psychology or any aspect of of mental preparation is that it's about coping. It's about finding yeah. ways to to deal with the situation you're in, um, and 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 taking it from there. It actually got a, a wee question, and this might come into what. Uh, you were talking about there from one of our uh, members, which was, what has um, been your favourite competition? Because you've obviously, over the last few years, really competed at a high level, and obviously um, you competed at the British in Scotland, which I know you were very very passionate about. That was a great thing for you to do. So what, yeah. what was your favourite competition, and, and what sort of challenges did you face at that competition? Uh, it's, that's a really hard question, but it's almost easy to answer. Like, um, as much as the British just passed in Loch Gelly, like was amazing because I felt like I had half of Scotland in the room with me. <laughs> like that was really special. And that is a very, very, very close second. However, I think my favorite one had to be Euros just passed in uh, December because like getting to wear that GB singlet for the first time and competing internationally, it was just like something I will never, ever, ever forget. And like, it was the most amazing experience. Um, and yeah, it was just surreal being able to wear that and be part of the team. Um, likewise with Worlds just gone there, like even though my performance wasn't where I wanted it to be, it's the best experience I've ever had at a competition. Like the whole few days either side of it was just great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough when I was younger to, to play hockey at a reasonable level. And the first one, it's almost like you like, it's like a dream. Yeah. And you're just walking about. And I remember we, we played in this club tournament and we're putting against guys that had won Olympic gold medals and half the team were going about getting wanting to get pictures taken with them because that's yeah, that's almost what it's like at that point. Um but I was listening to a different podcast yesterday you know, with an American lifter and he basically said, you know, when you've got to that level, you're at that level. You you're trying to beat that person. You're not there to to take pictures with these people. You might do, but ultimately, you know, you've earned the right to to get to that level. So you should, you know, you mentioned imposter syndrome, but 
Mm -hmm. um, if you've if you've worked hard enough to get to that level, then you deserve to be there, and, and you should get the rewards. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. one, the other one, maybe just before we move on from the kind of psychology side of things, was when you're going for that that max attempt. So you know you you squatted 180.5, mm -hmm. which you know is 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 not to be sniffed at. That's a very impressive. That's a very impressive lift at that point. Because you're, I'd say you're quite a calm person, but that kind of changes a little bit when you approach the bar, doesn't it? Yeah. What's going um, through your head when you when you go for that max attempt? I don't know quite what comes across, but like <laughs> in in my head, it's like if you get in my way, I'm literally gonna like lock. Over yeah, you, you, like, give that, you give that impression. You give that impression. Um, <laughs> but like when I'm not in that situation, I'm a very different person. But um, yeah, like what's going through my head, just like all of the training that I've done to get to that one point, I'm like, right, I've got one, like 60 seconds on the platform to get this done. Like think about all that work you've put in um, and like just pure confidence as well. Like I always say this to my lifters too, like if you've got any doubt that you're capable of lifting a weight, you're probably not going to manage it. Yeah. Like you have to convince yourself, like I'm strong enough for this. Um, so, and it's part of knowing as well, like when you're walking out a squat that heavy, you're like, yes, this is going to be a fight, but like, I'm going to have to just grit my teeth and grind through it. But um, yeah, it's just like pure confidence in your capabilities, remembering all the hard work you've done to get there and just like trying to prove yourself on that one lift. Like, right, I've got one chance to do this now. Just put everything into it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that comes across it. You know, you're not, you don't look that aggressive. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> but you're definitely, you're definitely focused. And there's definitely a, a switch that, you, you know, yeah. as you say, you're a very calm, nice person um, yeah. to speak to. But when you go up for that lift, I definitely, um, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want to get in your way. <laughs> um, so we, you touched on it as well in terms of the challenges for new, for new female lifters in particular, because obviously that's your experience. Do you think do you think those are all still there or do you think it's evolved certainly because uh -huh. over the last kind of i mean i've been involved in powerlifting for about six years now mm -hmm. and in my first competition i think there was maybe seven or eight females competing oh, yeah. um now but it's the stage where you know it's the growth has been absolutely absolutely phenomenal and um we've actually got a young lifter that's that joined our club as well and she actually went to school that, that i taught him oh, and, wow. she, and she hated PE. I mean, she'll openly yeah. tell you she absolutely despised PE, did everything she could, didn't bring her PE kit, brought notes, yeah. um, <laughs> um, and she's going to compete in a competition in August, and she'll probably break the, the, the Scottish record for her bench in her, in her oh, weight that's category. Amazing. So, but she faces the same sort of challenges you were saying about, she trains in a commercial gym sometimes, she gets people making comments, um, but do you think that's kind of evolved a bit, or, or has it moved forward, do you think, in the last last few years? I do, I think both, like, I think it has evolved a little bit, um, and it's really good to see, um, but it's definitely not gone away. Um, I just, like, the amount of times I hear, like, either a female friend or one of my female lifters, like, saying, oh, I've had this guy come up to me in the gym and say this, like, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, you are joking me, like, how is this still happening? Um, but... It is definitely getting better. Um, it's I think it helps as powerlifting grows as a sport as well. People are understanding it more and they're seeing more females do it as well. And they're understanding that like it's not it doesn't have to be just a male orientated sport. Yeah, and it's really the thing I love about it, if I'm honest, is it's a sport for everybody. Yeah. You know, like let us say the, the lifter I mentioned there, she's 20. Her oldest member's 62. 
Yeah. Um, he's a male. His son competes as well. Um, obviously, I was over at the British, and, and Helen Ferguson Ford was there. Yeah. Um, so you just get a real spectrum of people that can get involved in a sport and, and achieve at their own level, whether that's you know just setting a PB in the gym or all the ways you have done up to to international level. Um, so yeah, I think. Do you think the fact that you know you you mentioned you train and lift, which um, is a very kind of lifted, ironically focused environment, mm -hmm. um, but these kind of these kind of gyms which are more kind of powerlifting strength focused, do you think that will improve it? Do you think over the years going forward? Yeah, definitely. Like I notice a big change in environment. Like when I started training training there, um, even just being surrounded by like-minded people as well, like it really helps your training and it's a more comfortable environment as well because they all get it like they know what you're doing um, and you don't tend to get comments like that in a gym like that so that's that's really helpful yeah we're pretty similar through here i mean I, i'm fortunate enough to train with with some like-minded people one of them will be embarrassed if i, I, I mention him but he's a strong man and he's a very good strong man but i'm not going to tell yeah. you his name because he'll, he'll, he'll hate me for it <laughs> but there's been times that like you know 10 o'clock at night when i'm finishing my session he's like okay oh, just time this sandbag run and he's running up and down that track killing himself yeah um, and i'm complaining about doing five reps Aye. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you that kind of extra motivation and um extra extra you know push to like come on mark you know you, you can't be moaning about this yeah exactly uh, you know, so, and, um, in terms of you mentioned you did athletics first do you see any any similarities or any things you've brought from athletics because when i moved over from hockey there was definitely things that i thought mm, okay that, that's kind of similar do you, do you see a lot of similarities between because they're both individual sports i suppose yeah. yeah, athletics into powerlifting. I'd say like maybe if I was more of a sixty to one hundred meter runner, then yes. Um, but because I did like 200, 400, it's a bit of like a longer sprint. Um, I'm not sure. I know it's definitely helped having that background. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure like how similar I'd say they both were. But they've helped my mindset as well. Because just because I've always competed, um, like I'm, I'm so used to that. Um. It's not like competing was in powerlifting was something totally new something to me. Totally new, yeah. Um, so I'd done that and I had like built up a bit of muscle in my legs, my legs as well. I could say that. So it definitely gave me a bit of a head start. No, good. Um, yeah, and I think you generally find that once you've once you've competed at a level in a sport, you can kind of if you want to that is um, make that transition across across to. Um, another sport quite quite easily you still have to pick up the kind of technical elements but the other things you can you can bring with you so yeah. um what so where what's on, what's on the calendar next for you where, where are you heading Arnold's. so yeah next thing for me is arnold's arnold classic in september which i'm really excited about um i went there as a spectator last year when they they just did it equipped last year but I went for the whole weekend and I remember watching i was and i looked at the crowd that had gathered for the powerlifting and it, it was like I'd taken aback a little bit. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, look how much it's grown. So uh, the fact that I got an invite for that, like I was honestly, I was buzzing when I got that. So I'm really excited. And then and then it'll be maybe Europeans and then ideally back to Worlds at some point. Yeah, that's right. Europeans at the end of the year and then I'll have next British and I'll take it from there. So we'll see, you never know. <laughs> and you mentioned when we were chatting before this, that word redemption. Yes. You know, so you obviously felt... Um, that your performance at Worlds was not what you hoped it would be. Yeah. Can you maybe share with us like how you've, I suppose how you've processed that and um, what, how you've kind of used that to kind of take yourself forward? Because it's pretty clear that you are moving forward, isn't it? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I've been lucky enough that every competition I've done, my total has just gone up and like I've had a great day every single time. Like, <laughs> so I thought like, that's just not the way sport goes, is it? Like, you're not going to just do well every single time, no, even if you have put in all the work. Um, so I did think, oh, at one point I probably won't have a great day, but I didn't expect it to be at Worlds. <laughs> um, but, like, I let myself be upset about it. Like, I came off, like, it literally happened in all three lifts, right? Not a single one of them went exactly how I wanted it to go. Um, and, I like, I came off and we had the medal ceremony and that was what was really hard. Um, I was standing out there and like, I was really trying to fight back the tears. Like, I'm laughing now, but I was like, oh my God, like I need to get off this stage. Like I'm on the live stream. I can't cry on the bloody live stream. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came off and I just took myself away to have a cry. Cause I was like, I don't want to be upset in front of people, but um, I let myself have that. I let myself have the few days of like, not really, speaking to people from back home I just kind of let myself enjoy the time over in South Africa and I had the best time um and like I had such a laugh over there as well with all my teammates so like that helped a lot but yeah I just like I let myself be upset and then I thought right what am I gonna how am I gonna change this and how am I gonna come back from it because I can either sulk in it and just like always be this like rubbish competitor when I come back or I can like be like use it to think right what can I work on then and how can I come back stronger than I ever was um as cheesy as that sounds like I just I had to I had a choice to make and it wasn't it really wasn't a difficult choice like I was always going to come back from that no and I think again you've captured that beautifully there that you you it's, it's okay to be upset yeah you know because you had high expectations you know people will say stuff like well you know you went to worlds you tried your best whatever you, yeah. you got to, you got to compete at worlds but uh -huh. you, know, you you've you've said at the start of this podcast you've invested your life yeah. at the moment in powerlifting so you know you go to worlds with an expectation that you're going to do not just that you're not just there to take part you're, no. you're there to get medals that's what you went for um so i think yeah absolutely you're okay you're absolutely validated to feel upset and then as as you as you've just said you've, you've processed it and yeah. you've, you've come out the other side and went right okay i need to do this this and this to make sure that I'm, I perform better next thing because you didn't become a bad lifter. Not that you were, not that you're a bad lifter. Sorry, that doesn't sound. No, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, technical things happen in, in lifts, or then, like you said, the environment, um, the travel would have probably been a factor. Yeah. Um, actually, while we're on it, how did you find you know going that far for a competition? Because probably the furthest you went before that would have been the Europeans. So I mean, what yeah, was South right. Africa? What was that? How far away was that? Uh, so it was like it was two flights. So I'll cut a long story short. Right, I got one flight from. Edinburgh to Frankfurt and then from Frankfurt to Johannesburg but the one from Frankfurt to Johannesburg was like 10 and a half hours yeah. so but the the flight the first flight from Edinburgh to Frankfurt was delayed so I missed my flight to Next Johannesburg time. so I was stuck by myself in Frankfurt for 24 hours with all my stuff um and I was like on the phone to my dad in tears <laughs> like I'm 25 years old but I still phone my dad yeah, well, and, that's uh, okay <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, they put me in um, a hotel and stuff like that. But it was just, like, the most stressful trip I could have had going out there happened. And that's, I'm not saying that's why I didn't perform well. But, yeah. I just, on reflection, I on reflection, that's a factor that, that would have been in there. Um, and, it's yeah. again, it's something that, you know, powerlifting is still ultimately an amateur sport. 
you know, and yeah. in, in, in the grand scheme of things. So the ability to go out, you know, a week before or five to, to, to somewhere like South Africa, different if you're flying to, to somewhere in Europe, which is a wee bit easier, but if you're going somewhere, you know, we're talking about New Zealand, Canada, places like that, the ability to fly a wee bit earlier just to, to yeah. if there is a stress like that. I mean, I went to a competition a few years ago in Malta. I got, I was competing um, on the Sunday, so I was flying out on the Saturday morning. And I got to Glasgow Airport to find out a flight from uh, London to Malta was cancelled. Oh my God. <laughs> I got diverted to Warsaw. So I got there at like, I was meant to get there at three o'clock in the afternoon. I think I got there at nine at night. Yeah. After the next day at 12, I think it was in the, the midday sun. And, you know, I'm a very, very peely wally Scottish person. <laughs> Left it at 12, 12 o'clock and it was outside oh, as well. No. It, was, it was a shelter, but I mean, gee, we're warming up beside a swimming pool and it was like 30 degrees before we'd even started. But these are all things, you know, like you like you said, you know, you can do you can do all the training in the gym and you can have a gym total and, you know, yeah. all the variables can, can, be, can be set for you in the gym. But competition day, and I think sometimes people don't actually realise all the variables that, that come together to make a competition. Um, oh yeah, and definitely. you know, I could I could make a whole podcast about my catastrophes trying to make weight. Oh, so I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I mean, you, I think you were refereeing at the Westerns when I tried to unrack that squat after making weight, and I think I took about forty-six steps to try and set my feet because my. Oh, were you a bit wavy? I was. Oh yeah, I was terrible. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I didn't even know well, what. I mean. If it makes you feel any better, I don't think I noticed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Um, well, what we always finish with, Annie, is um, if if you were speaking to a, a kind of brand new lifter getting into the sport, what would your top three tips? What would your top three tips be? Uh, one first one would be get involved literally as soon as you can. Like, stop hesitating with it. If you've got an interest in it, just do it because I don't know a single person that's got into it and hasn't just totally loved it. Um, two would be get a coach that has preferably, if you can, lived and breathed it themselves. Um, they've been in your shoes before, that always helps. Um, do your research with that, like look at loads of different coaches, speak to loads of different people and see who you click with. Um, and three, what would I say? Three is just like, don't listen to what anyone else says. If you're really happy doing that, then you should do it because the powerlifting community I think you'll agree is probably the most supportive one I've ever experienced. And yeah, it's just the best group of people. And like you'll meet the most amazing people if you do it. So just get involved as soon as you can. No, yeah, can't argue with any of them. I mean, you said yourself earlier that you got involved at 21. And I, and I yeah. mentioned I get involved when I was 35. I, I wish I'd mm-hmm. I got involved. And, and like you say, the one thing that I, and it is sounds kind of cliched or cheesy, but it is the most supportive environment I've ever. Is, yeah. Been in. Um, yeah, ultimately, if you're a national or a, or a world or a European level competition, you are trying to beat somebody. But mm-hmm. out with that, you know, if, if somebody loads a bar with a weight that's way beyond what you're capable of, you can't you can't argue with that. You know, they're just yeah, they're just a stronger lifter. Um, and that's, that's it. That's the way it is. Um, and just to finish, um, I always let the guests have a wee shout out for any services they provide, Annie. So I know you're a coach. So if somebody, you mentioned yourself there, get a coach. If somebody would like to be coached by Annie Nelson, what do they, how do they go about it? Probably the easiest way would be just to send me a message on Instagram. I've got um, my personal page or my coaching page. Um, but literally, if you just type in Annie Nelson, you'll see them both should do. Um, and 
yeah, just send me a message. I've also got a um, an application form in my business page bio. If you don't want to, if you feel a bit awkward, send me a message. Just fill out my little application form, and I'll I'll reach out to you and send you a message. And you got spaces just now. Uh, for online, I do, yes. For online, so you get a chance to be coached by the strongest female powerlifter in Scotland, is that right? That's a nice way of putting it, yeah. It's that's, <laughs> not a bad ad- advertisement, is it? No, I'll take well, that. Well, <laughs> thank you thank you for coming on today, Annie. And I th- as I say at the start, I thank you for giving up your time to, to share some of your experiences. Um, just for anybody that is listening to this, this will be the first of many episodes. I know we've had a few incarnations of the Paisley, Bod- Paisley Barbell podcast but we do have a couple of other guests lined up. But Annie, thank you for your time. And I look forward to seeing your progress in your next uh, competitions. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.